0: we Hello and welcome to Episode 8 of the Backstreet GM Podcast. I'm Ben Rauman.
1: And I'm the Deadbeat Podcast host who hasn't hosted a podcast in almost three weeks. Happy New Year, everybody. This is Zach Spardutti.
0: Happy New Year, Zach. Uh, What's new with you? We We haven't heard from you in a while.
1: Have you ever heard of Sober October, Ben?
0: No, I haven't. I've never been sober in my life, Zach.
1: Well, I am going on a sober... January and February journey and see where I end up on March 1st.
0: You'd think that'd give you more time to podcast, but I guess it has the opposite effect.
1: Yeah, you think, you know. But... <laughs> <laughs> hey, end of quarter, you know, Daddy's ass got to put the bacon on the table. Someone's got to keep this podcast afloat monetarily. <laughs>
0: You are the breadwinner, Zach. Yeah,
1: someone's um, got to pay the one hundred forty dollar bill, and it's going to come around next year. <laughs>
0: so, uh, the last time we talked, um, we well, you mailed in a Western Conference uh, playoff or not playoff season preview for over unders.
1: I don't even remember what I said. Uh,
0: yeah, If
1: you asked.
0: Or actually. Was that our last podcast, or was it Festivus? We might have done that right before Festivus.
1: Oh, we did. Yeah, you're right. We did Festivus. We crammed in and bets, that we did a special Festivus episode on Festivus.
0: That's true. Um, so the NBA season has started uh, so far, as Zach. We have a lot to talk about. But first, uh, favorite segment of the show the part of the show where we talk about a beer we have enjoyed it recently the Kevin McAle Zach it's sober January but when's the last time that you had a beer?
1: Uh, about five minutes ago
0: um,
1: now I am going to um, I'll tell you some beers I'm going to be looking forward to trying Um Rao comes out with a pumpkinator every year and this year they can have another pumpkin but they also age it in bourbon barrels. So I wasn't able to find it when it first came out. But I was snooping around ATB, um, doing some last-minute Christmas shopping, like Christmas shopping at ATB apparently, um, and I found a bourbon barrel-aged pumpkinator. I tried the pumpkinator, the OG pumpkinator, and it's tremendous, so looking forward to trying a little, little, little barrel-aged pumpkinator.
0: That sounds pretty good. Uh, For those of you that don't know, St. Arnold is a brewery in Houston that Zach and I really enjoy. Um, And they come out with a lot of good seasonal beers and barrel-aged beers in particular. So definitely would be up for trying one of those. But uh, they don't have St. Arnold in Milwaukee, unfortunately. What they do have in Milwaukee is my beer. Uh, From Lakefront Brewery, The Wisconsinite. It's a Weiss beer. um, And it's got, like, a real malty flavor to it, and it's kind of got that classic, like, Heppeweiser and banana-y taste. But then there's, like, almost, like, a session sour element to it. So it's, like, really interesting. Like, a very, like, very subtle, like, sour hint. like, aftertaste at the end. It's really good. I enjoyed it during... The Packer blowout over the Chicago Bears. Uh, again, give my best regards to your godfather on that one, the Bears fan. But uh, it yeah. was it was quite enjoyable to uh, secure the first seed in the NFC. He's been
1: awfully quiet ever since uh, Rex Baseman rec- 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 lost to the Colts. I haven't really talked, talked much since then.
0: He's I been awful he quiet. Mean. He's been awful quiet since uh, Bears moved up for Trubisky, I think. But <laughs>
1: Yeah. Well, that sounds like a good beer. Um, always down for a little clove of banana in my life. So
0: next time I'm, I'm in Milwaukee,
1: I'll uh, give myself a little sip of
0: Yeah, a little sip of um, That moves us on to the first part of the show where we usually talk about the NBA, which this podcast is allegedly about. Um, the airballing of grievances, where we talk about something that we need to get off our chest this week. Zach. Would you like to go first?
1: I don't know. I feel like my airballs, grievances are truly airballs, just like something that, you know, old man, out a cloud, but this is, what I'm going to, my little soapbox for the week is, people hate it on New Jersey's. I just, I just feel like, um, marketing teams, dev teams, ownership, players, they all get, they all come together, this melting pot, and they, they come up with a design that represents the city, Represents the team, represents what they're going for, and then we fans just shit all over them for no reason, like Milwaukee.
0: Well, sometimes they're bad designs, Zach.
1: Sometimes they are, but like the the Miami one, it's just like it's interesting. It's, it's, I don't think there's a single bad jersey that's ever been made in the NBA.
0: That is such a lie, Zach. That is the biggest lie I've ever. You're you're so pro management. You're so pro team ownership.
1: For, a, for I, a
0: finance guy, you really uh, side with the marketing team quite a bit in this argument.
1: Think about know how long the
0: Bucks plan to
1: have their new jerseys, which are cool. Blue's my favorite color. Who doesn't love some blue?
0: As a marketing guy, I take offense when there are trash jersey concepts that are released when they could have tried <laughs> for like two seconds and listened to they the public and fridge. found out what they wanted. The Bridge up! They tried! Yeah, they did a little fireworks show with blue fireworks for two minutes on the lakefront and called it uh, their big, huge lead-up to their unveiling of blue jerseys that nobody asked for. Really, really proud of the marketing guys on that one, Zach.
1: Wow. What did you want? A little purple peep- peep leaders, A bunch of Barney fucks running around the court? What do you want?
0: You could have gone back to the classic green and red, like from the 70s or 80s, the Irish rainbow. People love the Irish rainbow jerseys that they did a couple years ago. Incorporate those elements to it. Don't add the – it's not even the tertiary color. It's, like, the fourth color in their jerseys, and they made it an entire jersey. And then they added multiple shades of that color. Like, from a brand optics perspective, it has nothing to do with, like, what general practice would be.
1: What do Bucks drink, then? Water.
0: What do What do all animals drink?
1: <laughs> what what landmark is Milwaukee by? a body of water?'
0: They're by the Great Plains and oh my God. On <laughs> I just feel like
1: I don't know I just saw people hating on the Miami Jersey and they look a little different. They look a little weird, but
0: are we gonna hate on them? Or are we they look gonna like tricksy the yogurt. Like yogurt jerseys, Zach. Listen. Listen, I love the Miami Vice jerseys. Okay. Those jerseys are not good. Just objectively you not good. Have, you have a
1: Miami Vice jersey.
0: I know. I have the white one. I like it. Yeah. I like the black ones. I even like the I, I like the powder blue ones. The pink ones are all right. I, I, they're not my favorite. But I still think they're miles ahead of this travesty of graphic design.
1: God forbid they take a chance. God forbid they think outside the box.
0: Take <laughs> Think outside the box. They've been putting out the same vice jerseys for the past five seasons. And you just said they were all good? Yeah, they were until they did this trash. Okay. Listen, they need to just make their, like, good vice jerseys, their primary jerseys, and do away with the traditional Miami Heat burgundy color that looks like a knockoff Cavs. I'll just go out and say it. They need to make the Vice jerseys their primary jerseys. They look fire. The,
1: the wine calves came from the heat. It was like LeBron's little Vino jersey. Look, all I'm
0: saying the- is the heat The Heat red jerseys are so ugly. And then those gold ones they did a couple years ago, even uglier. The heat red jerseys ugly? Yes, dude. They're terrible. Just, just, they're, they're, like, they're like gold in like, this ugly gold bronze color. They're the heat. They're red. Dude, all I'm saying is the Vice jerseys look way better than their standards. The, the black key jerseys are fine. Like, they're, they're, they're regular black ones. I just think that the burgundy color that they have is an ugly color.
1: Okay, well. And they need a redesign. We, to we need to wrap this up, but you're proving my point. You're pissing me off.
0: Let, let, like let it you be known then. that Zach is pro-management um, instead of pro-fan. That's his, that, that's where the hill he's dying on today.
1: They're not even fans. There's a bunch of bandwagoners.
0: No, no. Genuine fans
1: oh. can hate
0: jerseys. You don't have to love every jersey a team puts out for you to be a fan of the team. That's like one of your worst takes I've ever heard.
1: <laughs> I'm, not saying, look, I'm not saying you support everything the team does. I'm just saying if it's a creative design, don't just immediately
0: shit on it. You're, real com- you're a real company man.
1: <laughs> hey, I punch in and punch out. I don't. I don't ask questions when I'm between the hours of nine and five. Okay. <laughs> All right. What's your balling grievances?
0: Okay, so my grievance um, is a tweet that I saw on Twitter uh, from Hoop Central. I sent it to you a couple days ago. It states: Celtics fans, are you comfortable? including Jalen Brown in potential trade talks for James Harden. Are and then know? I looked at the I looked at the, I looked at the replies and um they seem pretty pro Jalen Brown. Whoa. <laughs> Which is interesting to me because James Harden is a top five player at the very least in the NBA. And Jalen Brown is a good second option on a Celtics team that's best player is Jason Tatum, who's not even top ten right now in the league. Is, is that is that fair to say? Like,
1: I, mean, I think Tatum's sniffing the top ten.
0: I think he's in that top fifteen range. I, I I don't think he's top ten yet, though. Okay. If he's the ten way. best player in the in the NBA, I think he's outside of that. But that's beside the point. Jalen Brown, like I know he's had a good, I know he's had a good start to the season. Like he's been he's been really good this year. He's genuinely improved his game from what I've heard. Like I I've only watched a couple Celtics games. I think like two so far. Um one when they played the Bucks, and then one where they were playing the Pistons. Um, but, like, he, he's genuinely improved his, his pull-up game and making tough shots off the dribble. He's averaging uh, 27 points right now, three assists, uh, four and a half rebounds. He's shooting 43% from deep, which, don't know if that's sustainable or not, but is really solid. Um... He's a really good perimeter defender. But James Harden, we're talking about one of the, like, four guys in the league who could single-handedly run a top-five offense by himself? Are you kidding me? A guy who's been MVP? A guy who's runner-up almost every year? Like, I'm the biggest James Harden hater on the planet, and I can see right through this bullshit. (laughs) Come on.
1: I think, Ben, I agree with everything you said. By the way, I think um, ever since there was a, a hope of Harden signing with the Bucks, you kind of kind of seen the Harden light a little bit. I don't
0: want James Harden on the Bucks. Okay, hey, okay, you he would make want... them better. And if he was on the team, I would live with it. I wouldn't like it. Oh, but he would make You'd us better. I would admit it. I would I would admit that he would make us better. And if given the opportunity, the Bucks, from an organi- organizational perspective, should do the trade. I wouldn't be happy about it. It wouldn't make me smile and give me that joy of watching basketball every day anymore. I would, I would be very sad and depressed. You'd be... Okay.
1: <laughs> well, you're not... You'd sad, you're going to be sad and depressed when you don't have enough firepower to beat the Nets in the playoffs. Okay. But that assuming the,
0: assuming the Nets even make it that far. <laughs>
1: um... <laughs> Jalen Brown, like, look, you don't even know if he's gonna re-sign with the Celtics. Like, the, the people are so, you know, always, you know, old, you know, by the time, but by the time Harden gets to that age, you know, he may not be, on, will be near the end of his contract. And it's like, you don't even know if Jalen Brown was a stick a stick around. So why not get a much better? Like, Jalen Brown, what is he, a top 40, top 50 player?
0: Probably top um, 30, top 25, maybe. I, I don't know. It's it's hard for me to do that know, mentally but, with players. It's just. Yeah. Something I struggle with, but like he's not—he's a really good second option. But James that Harden is, is uh, an offensive engine. Like it's—he's not even a regular first option on a team. He's like in the upper echelon of first options that you could have. This is just the stupidest question I've ever heard. This is like something Bill Simmons would propose on his contract. Are you <laughs> comfortable? Are you are you comfortable trading Jalen Brown for James Harden? I I just, I don't know. I I kind of want to see what Jalen Brown becomes. Would it it be too much to throw Simi in there? Would that be like a
1: kicker? Would that be what pushes it over the top? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think I'd be comfortable. It's just just, like too much accretive value to the rockets.
0: I think I'd be comfortable with a package of Kimball Walker and Simi O'Gillet for Harden, but I don't know (laughs) if I'd be willing to throw in Jalen Brown there. I don't know. That's just me.
1: Is Harden a Boston guy? <laughs> anyway, Boss. 20, minutes, 20 minutes into our podcast, and we're still getting through the Airborne grievances. As we
0: should. As um, we should. There's a lot to talk about in the NBA the last couple weeks. The season started. Uh, we already have uh, um, a couple teams that are surprising us. Um, But we'll get to that a little bit later. First off, we got some news. Um, Uh the Shaq-Rudy-Gobert beef. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. So, Shaq has made it his life's mission to, uh, put down any modern NBA big man that, uh, comes across his path, Uh, um, be it from Rudy Gobert to Joel Embiid, um, To Dwight Howard, Howard, JaVale McGee, um, Hassan Whiteside. You know, some of those guys, at points you could argue, yeah, maybe they deserved it. Um, Rudy Gobert, of all people, deserves everything that he gets coming to him. But, that being said, I feel like this just came out of left field a little bit. Um, Ever since Rudy Gobert got his... Max contract, Shaq has been dogging him uh, <laughs> on Inside the NBA, on social media. So, recently, Shaq posted on his Instagram this really uh, fried graphic of him dunking on, it was like an edit of him dunking on Rudy Gobert. Yeah. Um uh, and uh, hang on, I'm, I'm going to pull up the post right now and read you the caption. He says, "I would have had 45 points, 16 rebounds, 10 missed free throws in three quarters. He would have had 11 points, four rebounds, and fouled out in three quarters." <laughs> and it's just a deep fried image of him posterizing Rudy Gobert.
1: Do Do you see anything that isn't facts in that statement?
0: No, I, mean, I it just seems unnecessary.
1: <laughs> Self, self-deprecating with the 10 missed free throws? Yeah, like that's, I mean, a
0: little classic Shaq move there. Um, Rudy Gobert chimed in saying that there's no beef between him and Shaq, and he said he'd be happy and wouldn't put down any brother who's who's making the bag. Um. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think Shaq's healthy because he signed with the Lakers on a 10-year $125 million deal. Rudy <laughs> Laker, it's like Rudy Gobert is going to make that in like two and a half seasons.
0: Okay, but you have to account for inflation, too. Eh, yes, I
1: know, but... I okay, mean, so he
0: probably made a similar, probably made a bigger percentage of the media market at the time.
1: Uh, if the Jazz didn't offer him that contract, do you think any other team would have offered him
0: that much? I think Rudy Gobert is very important to what the Jazz do, and so he's kind of like a specific situation where it makes sense for them to sign him. Now, do I think that Rudy Gobert is the best guy to have on your team if you want to make a splash in the playoffs and if you want to, like, be a real true contender? Maybe not. I mean, there's definitely ways that he's been exposed there in the past. But in the context of what the Jazz do and the other people or the other players that are on the Jazz and how they fit the team, I think that he's integral to their success and even getting them as far as they do every season. Like Donovan Mitchell, for example, has his clear weaknesses. Um, And I was actually just listening to another podcast um, the other day where they were talking about how Donovan Mitchell is flawed as a passer, so they need to surround him with complementary pieces that allow them to do more of a team passing scheme. So you got guys like Joe Ingles who are quick decision makers, you know, and you have uh, offensive four like uh, Bogdanovich who, you know, makes up for that offensive difference that, you know, Mitchell can't provide all on his own. You have to get guys like Ricky Rubio in there who can be a true floor general um, or like Mike Conley. Um, And that kind of, those type of players like Joe Ingles and Bogdanovich on the wing, you have to have them in a sense to make the offense work. But at the same time, it really hurts you defensively and you have to have that type of big man back there, like solidifying their defense. Like Gobert is the only reason that they have a good defense at all. Like, you can't so then, have a four as Bogdanovich without having a five like Gobert.
1: And those are all really intellectual great points, no doubt. But you're saying integral to their success. And success is relative. But the success is first-round exits. Their their team isn't good enough. Gobert isn't in that force offensively at all. They don't even give them the ball offensively to even try to be a force. So I think he's fit, like, really well in the Celtics. I think they don't they don't need a, a scoring big man. I think the Jazz need a second scorer.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think the Jazz have much of a choice either. Like, they're a pretty small market. They're not going to be able to get any other talent otherwise. Do you want to maintain your success, keep Donovan Mitchell relatively happy being a successful regular season team until maybe you can acquire that third guy? And then maybe try to swing a trade then? For Gobert later on, like, I think you retain the talent now at the very least, if you're the Jazz, especially because he's so important to what you do. Like, I don't blame the Jazz for paying Rudy Gobert that kind of money. The Bucks paid Chris Middleton that kind of money, and, like, Chris Middleton is one of the better-fitting wings alongside Giannis and Antetokounmpo. Like, it's a similar situation with Milwaukee, where they're a smaller-market team. They have to overpay for guys who maybe aren't worth the max deals, Like, Chris Middleton's a really, really good player, don't get me wrong. Is he worth every, like, dollar of his contract, necessarily? Like, is he a true number two? I don't know. But at the same time, you don't really have a choice if you're a small market team trying to stay competitive.
1: Great points. And they tried to bring in that third guy with Mike Conley, and then Mike Conley just never really got
0: comfortable. Yeah, he got better towards the end of the season. But definitely during the regular season last year, for the first majority of it, he was terrible. Um, But, I mean, yeah, there's just... I feel like the Jazz need a wing. Like, a a, a true all-around star wing.
1: They need a Kyle Kuzma.
0: (laughs) 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 Yeah, they need a... (laughs) They need a Rudy Gay. Um...
1: HJ <laughs> and, and 2K13.
0: Need a So hard to rosy. Uh, oh, oh, one more thing on the one more thing on the Shaq Gobert thing. Uh, Shaq also retweeted a tweet on Twitter uh, captioned "Baguette Biombo" of Gobert getting stuffed into oblivion by Jared Allen in a recent Nets game. Uh, so he, he's not letting up. Um, Put some respect
1: on Biz name.
0: It's unnecessary at this point. Uh, (laughs) Uh, Next up, Steph Curry. Steph heard the disrespect, Zach. Loud and clear. He came back with a vengeance. With a vengeance. So, as you know, as a lot of people know, uh, the NBA has been doing back-to-back games with certain teams this year in order to decrease travel. Um, the Warriors played the Blazers. Um, Steph kind of had a rough game. Blazers win. Afterward, uh, Damian Lillard and some of the other Blazers make some comments about how Steph Curry is showing his mortality now. He's he's now mortal um, without some of the surrounding talent that he had in past years. Um, Steph took that personally, Zach. And uh, he dropped 62 points on Dame's head the next game and beat the Blazers. Pretty pretty, pretty tough look for Portland, I gotta say. The, I believe the final score was 135 to 116. Um, Steph had a line of 62 points, four assists, five rebounds in 36 minutes. I think he was... Eight of fifteen from three, I want to say. I don't have the exact numbers right in front of me, but I think he shot like two thirds of his shots. He made th- two thirds of his shots from the field. Insane performance. Yeah. So the Blazers were talking all this all this trash. Um, the Warriors are now four and three. Uh, the Blazers are three and four. Steph is averaging thirty two points. assists, 5.3 rebounds on 46% from the field, 37% from three, and 98% from the line. Dean is averaging 26 points, six and a half assists, four and a half rebounds on 42% from the field, 35% from three, and 90% from the line. I think the moral of the story is if you come for the king, you best not miss.
1: Oh, first off. Big stuff haters. It was, he'd do the shimmy. He'd, you know, he'd do a lot of showboating. He got Clay. He's got KD. He's got Sean Livingston who's made every, like, the Warriors were just, um, such a hated team. And Curry fed into that. Curry, people said Curry was humble, all this, this, and that. I never thought he was humble. It's the way he acted on the court. But I think it was kind of like, kind of like the Kobe moment, like when Kobe dropped 60. Steph moment was, um, two you know, against the when they lost Katie, we went down with Achilles injury. We it's our series for the taking. He drops 30 in the second half and goes up, I think 3-2 in the series, or he, I forgot exactly what happened, but it was like a it was a, or goes up 3-1. It was a game that we needed to win, and he drops like 30 and, and then has Katie out, and it was just like this, this dude's mental. Um, I already knew he's mental before, but it was just it, it made it almost kind of like him in a way. Um. Got my respect. I don't know if that matters at all, but um, definitely earned my respect after that performance. So I, I almost, like, like when I saw it happen, it wasn't even, like, surprising. It was just kind of like, this is, this is what he should be doing. Like, he should be averaging 32 points. He, this whole thing about, like, oh, he needs to play off ball or he needs to, like, his teammates need to find him better. No, he needs to play like that. He's more than capable of it. And before I keep digressing, I'm going to throw it back to you. How much of this is the Draymond effect of uh, just Draymond kind of just getting better guys in the right spots? Obviously, Steph's amazing. But how much of this is, like, do you think he dropped 62 without Draymond? They dropped, like, 40.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I
1: know he can't, but I'm just saying, like, would he? I just feel like.
0: I don't think you can attribute this game or any of, like, obviously, Steph, benefited throughout his career from great players around him you can't knock Steph for that though like his greatness he changed the game on his own like Draymond having Draymond playing well and getting Steph in good positions obviously helps but Steph could do that on his own like Steph pulls up from half court whenever he wants and when he gets hot he's hot like doesn't matter I'm if not, Kelly Oubre has the worst field goal percentage in the league, which he does. He's still gonna go off and lead his team to a four and three record. Which, in reality, I mean, outside of him, what do they have?
1: No, I'm not saying that Dre, Steph is a product of Draymond. I'm not, I wasn't saying that. I was just saying like I think Draymond like helps him feel more comfortable on the court and kind of like gets him gets the other guys in the right position so that Steph can have space to work with.
0: I'm sure it does. I mean, I'm sure having other, like, veteran players who are part of that championship run can only help him. I mean, doing it all by yourself is really, really hard. And we see that from a lot of stars who, like, have had to take up that role, like Bradley Beal. Like, Bradley Bradley Beal and John Wall were really good together for their first couple seasons. And then John Wall got injured for, you know, the better part of two and a half, three years, and Bradley Beal had to do it all by himself, and the Wizards sucked. Like, it's really hard to do it all by yourself when you have nobody remotely close to your level on your team. And that's what Steph had to deal with last year before he got injured. That's what he's going to have to deal with this whole year. Like, as much as we prep up Draymond, like Draymond has fallen off from where he was uh, during their championship run, and oh. you know, he was the worst of the four slash three, by, whatever by run you want to talk about, by, by, far. by far. But but
1: I think that like I don't know if it's just like Steph going on a hot streak, or but Draymond he's having like two points, like he's like has like two points, but he also has like ten deflections, and then he has like. Seven is,
0: Yeah, I mean,
1: yeah. And we know that that we know that's kind of the Draymond's player. I'm not I'm not saying breaking news here. I just think that, um, like, Steph without Draymond, they're not making the playoffs. But Steph with Draymond, because Draymond's almost a coach on the court for the other guys. Steph doesn't need Draymond as much as the. I mean, I think it's more that the other players on the court need Draymond, and that's what helps them play winning basketball.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. Because even right, had like
1: a eighteen point night two nights two
0: nights ago. Yeah, well, Andrew Wiggins isn't doing them any favors either. Let's let's be real. It's uh, it's a rough, it's a rough supporting cast yeah. this year. Yeah, <laughs> I but mean, hopefully I, Ubre will get better. Like he was good on the Suns. Hopefully he'll. Yeah. come out of his shooting slump because that's the best thing he can do is score. So, let's move on to our next bit of news here. Um, <laughs> there's uh, there's trouble brewing in Sacramento as we've grown accustomed to over the past 10 years. Um, <laughs> whether it be DeMarcus Cousins wanting out or Buddy Healed unrest or Vlad just doing some really stupid shit. Um, De'Aaron Fox's dad was wild on Twitter uh, two days ago, basically calling for the trade of Marvin Bagley. De'Aaron Fox got on Twitter, probably told him to log off uh, shortly after. It started off with Marvin Bagley's dad asking the Kings to trade his son, um and some Kings writer, uh, screen grabbed it and like tweeted about it. I guess and Deon Fox's dad, whose name is Aaron Fox, I'll be enough. Um, Aaron D Aaron, I guess that's like Day Aaron. Is it, I don't know if that's Spanish. It's Spanish. Yeah, he he replied to the tweet and said they should trade him. And uh, then De'Aaron Fox tweeted Jesus Christ. Um, Wob picked it up, did a Wob investigation. Um, apparently, De'Aaron Fox's dad and Marvin Bagley's dad have hated each other since before they were in the NBA. Um, it's been like a it's been a long running family feud. Um, it was pretty funny. Somebody on Twitter. Uh, Willis Reese replied to Wobb's tweet saying the Kings should trade for Lonzo, get LeVar in there, and have the uh, real NBA dads of Sacramento. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my God.
0: That'd be quite the show.
1: Is, is Ball and the family still going on?
0: I I I don't know. I never followed that. Um, I did. Probably. I mean, why why would he stop? Why would he stop trying to make money off of that? Because
1: maybe he's uh, maybe he wants his son to have the spotlight instead of. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no. Um. But hey, I don't, like we were talking about on Twitter. Uh, our, when we sl- we like to start in each other's DMs from time to time, um, basically every day, multiple <laughs> times a day, and we were just saying like, Mark. A not good enough player to even, like, be in the conversation of, hey, I'm in a bad situation, get me out, like, free, free, free hey, free Marvin, like, it's... I mean, gotta,
0: he's, he's has more leverage than Thon Maker did when he uh, requested a trade out of Milwaukee to go to Detroit, so...
1: Okay. <laughs> that's,
0: saying, that's, that's something. Saying something. Yeah. That's saying something. Yeah. I don't know what it's saying, but no, yeah, uh, I don't think Marvin Bagley requested the trade himself. It was his – it's his parents, dude. These parents, they're constantly oh. getting their kids in trouble.
1: But, you know, Marvin was calling his dad up like, hey, dad, like, I'm a I beast. Hate I, hate I hate the
0: Kings. I hate the Kings. Buddy Heald is such an asshole, man. <laughs>
1: yeah, the ball hog. <laughs>
0: um, a,
1: hey, cou- a,
0: a couple – uh, a couple things to note before we move on to the next segment. Uh Luka Doncic is shooting nineteen and a half percent from three this season. I hey. think that's that's something we might have called in a previous episode. Maybe not that he would like have a bad start to the season, but the fact that he's prone to uh, maybe not shooting as good from deep just because of the quality of looks that he attempts and the Kobe the Kobe effect. Um but yeah, hopefully Luca, my my, my Mavericks uh, buying the Mavericks at the beginning of the season, buying Luca as MVP, and you know that's all riding on Luca shooting higher than twenty percent from three this season. So hopefully he brings it back. The Rick Carlisle Coach of the Year argument that that I had.
1: <laughs> yeah, I just. They were they were good arguments to make, but and because of like we talked about, the Mavs had a lot of close losses last year, so if they could kind of repeat their performance and they also pushed the Clippers last year, there's momentum happening. <sighs> but Purzynas gets hurt a lot. Um, but as far as this goes, the 19.5%, like what we did, I don't know if you guys would listen uh, had listened to that podcast, but we did. Who was in the bottom top bottom 15% bottom 15 players in three point percentage who played at least 30 minutes a game? Over the last um, two seasons, and the person that was there both seasons was um, was Luca, the only person to be there. Doesn't mean he's a bad shooter, but yeah, I haven't been watching a lot of Mavericks games, so I don't know what his looks are, are like. But um, the one game that I did watch is the one that blew out the Clippers. So I don't, I haven't.
0: Yeah, I've watched, I, I've watched a. One or two Mavericks games. I forget which ones I did, but Luca was bad from three in both of them. But he still like played well enough. Um, yeah. I think He's I think great. they lost they lost one of the games that I watched, and they won one of them oh. that I watched. But um, the Mavericks are three and four right now. It's not like the sky is falling in Dallas. Oh, I mean, yeah. as yeah. as soon as Luca, you know, as soon as he regresses back to the mean. They should be fine. Um, Last bit of business before we move on. Uh, I think we owe Jeremy Grant an apology, Zach. Uh Uh-oh.
1: Not necessarily
0: because of how he's played. I mean, he's played pretty well. Uh, His efficiency hasn't been great uh, with the Pistons so far. But, you know, we kind of made fun of him for taking the bet on himself. We clowned him for wanting to uh, join the Detroit Pistons instead of a playoff contender like the Nuggets where he was starting. Um, He wanted to have a bigger role, take the chance on himself with the Pistons, who might be the worst team in the league. Uh, Jeremy Grant later revealed uh, that another additional reason that he joined the Detroit Pistons was he wanted to play for a black head coach and GM uh, in Dwayne Casey and Troy Reaver. Or Troy Weaver, excuse me. So I think that's a pretty admirable thing for him to do. Didn't hear that when he originally made the deal, but um, definitely makes sense and happy for him. Hope he does well in Detroit. Let's bring that oh, to... one
1: more One more little housekeeping thing. Um, so this is a little off the books. This wasn't in the... Um, so I'm, I'm going off script here. Ben's going off a script. Bit. Uh, I'm,
0: I'm sweating. I don't like when
1: Zach goes uh, off to six. Nothing crazy. But you know how John Morantz had some ankle problems? Mm-hmm. He's been He was wearing the low-top Kobe's, and he says, you know, and he there's pictures of him working out in the high-top Kobe 9s. And he's like, no more low-top Kobe's for me this year. I'm going to go high-tops. And what's interesting is I'm a little bit in the shoe game, but I'm not crazy in the shoe game. But, you know, there's a lot of research showing that – there's no difference between low top and high top and how it affects your ankle. It's all about actually low tops help strengthen your ankle. Um, and you can roll your ankle just as easily higher low top. Personal experience is I used to play high tops. So I roll my ankle a lot when I played and I switched to the Kobe 11s. And the only time I rolled my ankles when I was playing drunk. one time, I tripped over myself, but um, <sighs> um, I never had a problem landing on anybody. And it kind of it allowed me to have more movement and it allows the ankle to be a little bit more free. So I'm no I'm no foot doctor I'm no shoe doctor but just something that um to look at and I hope hope wish him all the best and hope he finds a shoe that works for him but it's kind of like that high higher low top uh conversation.
0: Yeah I have Gumby ankles so like I roll my ankle all the time and it doesn't matter it's just like it pops back like like jelly like oh. made of gelatin um ah. I got the I got those cross country ankles from that. Uneven terrain that we'd uh, run on every week, but uh, I play I play in the Yonises i I've never rolled my ankle in the Yonises so those are uh, those are good ankle support. One, they're pretty form fitting. So I'm not a big shoe head either, though. Those are the only basketball shoes shoes I've owned. So let's move on to the next segment of the show. Zach' Speciality, the Delhi desktop.
1: Love that music, Ben. Um, We've got to find the person who made that and give them a shout-out one day. But um,
0: They have a beautiful, angelic singing voice.
1: Yeah, they do. Um,
0: shout-out to Ben. This one's
1: going to be very... Is it... My segment or is it yours?
0: Oh, I'm just agreeing with you. Go ahead. Thank you. Let's get, let's get the Delhi update.
1: Well, it's it's almost over because it's pretty quick. It's Delhi hasn't played a game. He's still out with that concussion he suffered in the preseason, and um, you know we don't know the extent of that. I, I've I've been trying to look at videos of that incident, and um, he also got a concussion a couple like a couple years ago, and that's the only thing that keeps pulling up. So. Um, haven't been able to find a video of it. I need to look a little harder, I think. Um I wanna see how severe it is because wish him all the best and he's been out for a couple weeks now. So um hope he's doing alright and um no funny business here, no no jokes, no deep stats, just just hope hope our boy's doing all right.
0: Yeah, I mean Delhi might be really doing the veteran thing, kinda allowing his young guards in the rotation to uh, get some minutes, get some reps. He's he's kind of taking his time in his recovery back, just so that you know he can be that team leader when they need him. So shout out to Delhi.
1: When I said no jokes, just love and support for our boy uh, Ben. Um, that wasn't a joke. He got the concussion on purpose so that. No,
0: I'm saying he's taking his time back from the concussion to oh my gosh. allow this team to gel, to get so sex, come back. To, to allow Sexland to gel.
1: What does he want to be there while they jail instead of inserting himself in there when they're not, when they've already jailed?
0: He's a coach on the court and off the court. He can mentor <sighs> them from practice. Sexland, that's Colin Sexton. And hey, he age, can't mentor
1: he hasn't by the woken way. up from his concussion yet. Hope he's doing he's not, right. He's not in a
0: coma, Zach. You don't know that. I think we Have do. I think, I think we know if he was in a coma. I think there would be more than uh, one injury report from a year ago that you could find if Delhi was in a coma. <laughs> hey,
1: or maybe hey, that's you know, just I, how
0: uh, little okay. research you've done for this segment today. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> this is as of
1: um, one day ago. Cavs, Matthew Delvadova out again. Delvadova will remain out of Wednesday's game against the Magic.
0: Seller beat writing?
1: he He'll likely miss at least two more games. Oh, okay. Alright, mailbag. Noah, right? Noah from Laredo, Texas. Is that right?
0: That that's correct. Noah from Laredo asks wow. three wow. questions for our mailbag today. So Noah wow. really keeping us giving us the content. Um
1: on how many you could put in, but
0: we can answer these any level of depth you want, Zach. Um, I'll let you take the ball on all of them first. But oh. which team has surprised you the most in the first few weeks of the season, Zach?
1: I mean, Magic Clippers also surprised me. How bad they are. Um, <laughs> the Nets—it's a little surprising how how good they are when they're both together. Like we knew they'd be good, but like they had, like Kyrie's on another level this year. So. There's a, there's a decent amount of teams that are surprising. Um, really I mean, it's bad.
0: early season. It's early season, so, like, a lot of these teams, like... I mean, this happens every year, where there's bad teams oh, yeah. that, like, are at the top of the standings in the first, like, two weeks because of their schedule or luck or whatever. The Magic yeah. are not going to be in the top half of the Eastern Conference this year. They'll probably <laughs> be just outside the playoff picture, if anything. Um, the Nets... It's it's interesting you mentioned the Nets. The Nets are 4-4 four and four right now, but Kevin Durant has looked godlike when he's played. He's missed a couple games now, but in, I think he played six games already. He's averaging like 28 points per game. Uh, his shooting splits are immaculate. It feels like he hasn't even been gone. Um, Kyrie has played really well, too, like you said. Um I think I'm a little bit surprised by just how good both of those guys look already at this point in the season. Um, I mean, I'm sure the wins will come as a result of that if those two keep up at that level. Um, I expressed my concerns in our uh, season preview about potential chemistry issues on the Nets, and that remains to be seen. But, you know, if these guys can keep... Competing at this level, they're going to be really dangerous in the postseason, if nothing else. Um, another team that kind of surprised me—I mean, the, the Clippers—the Clippers are actually doing pretty well so far this season. They're five and three. Um, the Warriors kind of surprised me by how well they've started out. I kind of thought they'd be worse than they are. Yeah, we
1: both we both did.
0: Um. But they're keeping their head afloat so far. They're 4-3, and three, um, which is good for 6th in the West right now. That's due partially in part to Steph Curry just being a god flamethrower again. Um, and I'm sure once Oubre stops being the worst shooter in the league, they'll probably be a little bit better because of that alone. Um, the Mavericks are kind of surprising just by how slow they've started, but... Part of that has to do with Luka having the shooting slump he's had. The Blazers, I think, might be my most surprising team because I had them as kind of like a mid-tier Western Conference team. Their defense looks just as bad as it did the last couple years, even with Robert Covington. And I thought Covington was like kind of going to be that stabilizing force for them because he was with Minnesota, and Minnesota – it's a terrible defensive team with Carl Anthony Towns. Um, we
1: we were a, a top defense in the bubble, the Rockets for last year.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like when you compared the on-off splits when Robert Covington was in Minnesota, like they were one of the top defensive teams when he was out there, and they're one of the worst when he wasn't. So, like I feel like he's the type of player who can, and maybe it just. It'll just come with time. Maybe he hasn't gotten a chance to gel with their system yet. That could be true. But they just looked terrible defensively still. Um, so they're they're pretty surprising for me. If we want to get on to the next question, uh, at real this quick. point, yeah, go ahead.
1: Um, just real quick. So when you talk about the Nets, it, um, I was thinking maybe what some of the I just thought maybe Karis Levert is kind of different here because I remember watching the first couple games, it's like or the first game and Karis Levert was eye catching and three of the four of their losses, he scored less than eleven points. Ten ten yeah. Ten, eight and six And three of their losses and one of their losses, which was an overtime, he scored twenty eight. So and their losses one of them was a one point loss to Washington that KD should have hit that game winner. But uh, I, I like then they had another close loss to Charlotte, so their losses are pretty close. But their losses also come with Karis Levert maybe not playing at his best. So
0: yeah, uh, Karis Levert is I feel like he's the type of player that like really needs to have the ball in his hands a lot to get into rhythm and to like really be yeah. an impactful player. And when you have like when you have Kyrie and KD on your team, they're going to be having the majority of touches. Like I, I just don't think that. Karis Levert is the right type of player to surround them with, um, unless he's going to be strictly like a six-man type player. Um, It's really hard from a fit perspective. And, like, of course you're not going to put the ball in Karis Levert's hands ahead of those two guys. Um, So that was kind of part of my concerns with the Nets before the season started. Like, they have good pieces Without Katie and Kyrie, but do those pieces necessarily fit when you add those two players? That was kind of the problem with the Clippers. So, um,
1: and, and Dinwiddie. Uh,
0: yeah, Dinwiddie too. Um, but yeah, if there's nothing else you have to add on that, we'll go to the next question here. At this point, what should the Rockets do with James Harden? Should they trade him, or what team is the most likely trade partner?
1: If he wants to stay, we keep him. If he wants to leave, we should trade him.
0: Yeah, if I Noah,
1: think that's, if, it's as simple as that. Simple as that. No, I listened to our other podcasts. I'm just kidding. No, I love you, buddy. I'm just joking. Um, Yeah, I really hope that he wants to stay. Like, there's, there's clips of him and Wall having good conversations on the court, but also a lot of reports saying he wants to leave. So maybe he can stop being a bitch and make up his money.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think if James Harden wants to stay, you keep him. Ten times out of ten. No doubt. Like, ten times out ten. if he wants to leave, I think the best trade partner is probably, like, for the Rockets, I think the best trade partner is probably Philadelphia, if you can get Ben Simmons. Um, yeah,
1: I would love that.
0: Daryl Morey has said that he's not willing to trade Simmons or Embiid. Um But, you know, things could change. We've seen a lot of GMs or teams make statements like that and then end up trading those players anyway. So end of the day, what we said, um, I do think Sixers are the best trade partner if it should come to that, though. Next question uh, from Noah again. Do you think the NBA's COVID protocols will be sustainable and allow the full season to be played? Um, I think that, personally, like, there's going to be players that will test positive for COVID, and they'll need to, a lot of teams might need to be quarantined, and games will have to be postponed. I think a full season will be played in the end. Um, Some games might get rescheduled. Um, Maybe the season will get delayed a little bit just because of that, but... I think a full season will be played in the end one way or another. Um, Do I think the protocols are good and safe? It's probably not the best thing uh, to have right now in a global pandemic. A bubble would obviously be safer, um, but practically the NBA wouldn't be able to afford that probably over uh, a full season um, or wouldn't be willing to. And that's obviously the case, considering that they've gone to this altered format where they kind of just try to limit the travel. But I, I just think that, yeah, the NBA found a way to finish the season last year. After a huge hiatus, they're going to find a way to finish this season one way or another. So,
1: yeah, uh, I think like what they did with um, the Rockets, like even though they canceled one game, do we still have a lot of guys out the other game? When Harden dropped 44 and 17, um, there were still a lot of guys out, and they said just just, just play. Like you, as long as you can dress eight, you're playing. So I think a lot of teams are going to, um, especially playoff time comes around, they're going to have stricter rules for their for their players, and just the players will know the importance of of being safe because you're going to you're going to hurt your team if you if you um, put put yourself or the team in the harm's way. So I think there's going to be a um, I don't know. Also, like in terms of football and NBA, there's less team meetings. You know, there's. I think NBA is more like you play these teams a lot. You know their kind of strategy, especially in the regular season. There's not a, a super amount of game planning, and you play these guys a lot. So there's less meetings. So there's less exposure to people. So um, uh, I think the players will will shape up, especially when playoffs playoff comes around.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the money maker. Um, for them, they know that they need to have the playoffs happen if they're going to get the size contracts and media like market that makes those contracts. So um, that's a big incentive to not harden things up. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I r- realize that might. My- Harden is an adjective actually, so it actually kinda of sounded weird. But yeah, James Harden things up. Go to a strip club and delay your team's okay. stretch of the season. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. I'm um back
1: against 44 and
0: 17.
1: Run tell <laughs> that.
0: Last but not least, uh, from Sam of Hills Corners, Wisconsin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All hail.
0: What's your Way too early. All NBA first team. Um, I'll go first. Just to uh, kind of, I don't, I don't know if you have a solid idea yet of what you're thinking, but Nikola Jokic, um, is my shoe in fit so far. Um, he's been the best center in the NBA this season by quite the margin. Uh, Embiid's been good too, but. Jokic is averaging 24 points per game, 12 assists, nearly 12 rebounds, on 61.4% from the field, 47.1% from three, 82.2% from the line. That's good for a true shooting percentage of 70%. Uh, One and a half steals, 0.6 blocks. He's been a madman this season, efficiency wise, and he recently had a game where he racked up 18 assists, which is the most assists by a center since Wilt Chamberlain in a game. Um, better than most point guards' season or uh, career highs. Nuggets are three and four in the West, um, but according to Basketball Reference. Jokic is considered one of the top MVP candidates this year already, Um, and they take into account team records, so he's been that good. Um, So Jokic is one of the guys I have. Um, I have Giannis and LeBron at my forward spots. Um, Giannis had kind of a slower-ish start to the season, um, but he's still averaging 26 points per game, 5.5 assists, 11.3 11.3 rebounds, um, shooting 52% from the field, which is a little bit down from where he normally is at. True um, shooting percentage of 58.7, still really good. Not at his elite MVP level though from last season. Um, the Bucks have kind of had an okayish start. They're hovering right about 500. I can't remember exactly where they're at. Um, record-wise, LeBron is averaging 24 points per game, 7.5 assists, 8.8 rebounds on 47.7% from the field, 37.5% from three. Um, Typical LeBron numbers, what we've grown accustomed to, doesn't seem like he's lost much of a step. Um, Points per game might be down a little bit from previous years, but I mean early in the season kind of took that into account too uh for these predictions um I know it says way too early so that might kind of mean maybe just like what are the best players right now who would make it right now but I think I'm taking into account a little bit of both um my two guard spots I have Steph Curry and James Harden we talked about Steph's stats earlier he's averaging a cool 32 points per game Um, on, like, 37% shooting from three. Harden is having another great season counting stat-wise, averaging 33 points per game, 10.8 assists, 4.8 rebounds, 40.9% from three, which is more efficient than he usually is, Um, 47.4% from the field, good for a true shooting percentage of 67.2%. one-and-a-half steals. These are my guys. So to recap, that's Steph Curry, James Harden, LeBron James, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Nikola Jokic. Um, do you have any differences in your all-NBA first team?
1: I think that's a, a great list. I think um, KD may edge out Giannis, depending on how they both play, depending on how the records shake out. Um, but... I got a lot to unseat Giannis because Giannis, who's MVP, stud first team all NBA, so Katie's going to have to ball out. um.
0: I think if anything, I don't know, this might be my Bucks bias talking, but I think if anything, Katie could edge out LeBron. Um, I mean, I, I don't know how sustainable. KD shooting splits are. If LeBron averages around 23 points per game, 24 points per game for the season, that's a little bit less than he is accustomed to. So maybe voters will take that into account and put him on the second team. Um, but, I mean, in Giannis, if Giannis plays at his MVP level or, like, close to it, I see it hard for him to be edged out. But, no, no,
1: but if he, you know, um, but it's kind of the Lakers, and the Lakers are six to two at top of the West. And I think AD may equal Jokic if Jokic finishes. At the, if the Nuggets finish sixth, seventh, eighth in the in the West, and the Lakers finish one or two. And AD and Jokic have similar stats, aside from the assist, of course. AD is going to AD. AD was first team last year. He's not going to not going to get knocked out of the first team for having the same season with close to the same record. So Jokic is having a hell of a season. So you, I don't know.
0: I mean, if, I if a- Anthony Davis doesn't want to be, if Anthony Davis doesn't want to be known as a center during the regular season, I don't think he should be known as a center on an All NBA team. He should be counted as a forward, and in that case, I don't think he would make it. But like, eighty refuses to play center all season, and then he wants to be center for All NBA team. No thanks.
1: Well, okay.
0: Eighty's <laughs> averaging twenty-two points per game. assists, 9 rebounds, 51% from the field, 40% from three, which is higher than he normally shoots. Don't think that's sustainable for a whole season with him, just from history. Um, I think the shooting numbers are probably a little bit more sustainable for Jokic. Uh, um, If Jokic has this type of season, like we've seen Jokic go through peaks and valleys as the regular season goes on. Like he'll start off really hot sometimes or he'll start off really slow, and then he, like, goes back to, he brings it back to the law of averages a little bit. So if that happens this season, if he has a rough patch, you know, I could see AD edging him out, especially if he's delegated as the center. Um, I could see Embiid doing it, too, depending on the type of season he has and the type of season the Philadelphia 76ers have. Um, but I don't know. The 76ers I, I are a
1: first. As Lakers are first in the West, AD averages twenty-seven, nine, and two. He's going to be, and then Jokic. But if you if, if the Nuggets are like second or third seed,
0: Jokic is the number one guy on that team. Like AD is the number two guy. Sure. I mean, I, I get the I get the LA bias, of course. But I mean, if we're looking but at I what's mean, happening now, he's averaging twenty-two points per game. So that's not twenty-seven, and he could make the leap, obviously. But for, as a no, well,
1: right We saw him last year during the regular season, and he wasn't nearly as good as he was in the playoffs, and he still made it first-team all-NBA. And AD's a better defender. AD, significantly better defender. Like, than even of Close. And AD would win a one-on-one battle against Jokic 10 times out of 10. Um, But Jokic is having a good season. Jokic is a great player. But I just think that AD's a better player than he is.
0: And he's playing on a better, better team. I would argue Jokic is a better number one option than A.D. is, but A.D. would win in like a one-on-one type battle. He's just more equipped to do that type of specific scenario. But like Jokic, would you rather have Anthony Davis as your number one option on your team and worst players, or would you rather have... Jokic and worse players around him. Like, I feel like Jokic is the type of player who can get other teammates involved and he can run a whole offense by himself, basically. Whereas Anthony Davis is very reliant on another playmaker to get him the type of looks that he needs to be that level of player. Um, I obviously acknowledge Jokic is not close to Davis on the defensive end but I mean Jokic is not a liability there either he's pretty average I would say
1: I just think that you know if you're like the Pelicans were a solid team the Pelicans were able to knock off the the Trailblazers um obviously that is partly and due to Drew Holiday I mean that wasn't all AD and um Rondo played a huge part there um I think you could build a team around Jokic and expect to compete in the playoffs. I don't think they'll a team around AD and expect to compete in the playoffs. You need a guard with a big man in today's league. So both of, it's like both of them won't be able to carry a team in the playoffs by themselves. So I'd rather have AD because AD is a better complement.
0: Yeah, I, I could see that like, argument. Jokic. I could see that argument for sure. Like AD optimized with the correct stars around him might have a higher ceiling of championship contender than one with Jokic. We'll never know, though, because Jokic hasn't ever had that opportunity. Um, and maybe we will know at some point here, like still pretty early on in Jokic's career. They got Michael Porter Jr. there. They got Jamal Murray, who just had one of the best bubbles anybody could have ever hoped for. Um, play-
1: one of the best players of all time.
0: Yeah, I- insanity. Like, if if you had LeBron James and Nikola Jokic, would the Lakers have won the championship last year? Still, I think probably.
1: Yes, the Heat or the, any team that played the.
0: Heat. But let's just assume. Let's just assume that it wasn't the Heat that made it. Let's assume it was the Celtics or Raptors or Bucks that made it. Like, do you think that the Lakers would have still won? With if you replace AD with Jokic, I, I think they do. Like I, I think if I anything, think, like especially with the way the Lakers were constructed last year, like having rim protectors in addition to Anthony Davis,
1: I think if, if you guys if the Lakers had to play the the Bucks during the regular season, like the the prime Bucks, the record breaking Bucks, and those Bucks made it to the finals, they'd run all over Jokic would destroy Jokic.
0: I think that the Lakers were a better defensive team than people gave them credit for outside of Anthony yeah, Davis,
1: like, too. Caruso, Caruso stepped the fuck up. Like, I, I've and never, Rondo, uh, too. Rondo, but we well, I mean, kind of knew playoff Rondo, and no doubt Rondo's a great point, but even KCP, but the way Caruso played that perimeter defense was he played inspired, he played quick, he kept his feet in front of him, Mm -hmm. so give Caruso and Casey a lot of credit. Absolutely. But, you know, we'll see. We're
0: getting a little off-topic here, but...
1: But, uh, hey, Jokic is having a hell of a season, so I'm not saying he he shouldn't. If he got first-team all-NBA, I wouldn't be like,
0: oh, wow,
1: the NBA's rigged against the Lakers or something. Like, Jokic would deserve...
0: I don't... Back to the point that we were making, though, I just don't see that... Like, if... Anthony Davis is going to get in. He's going to get in at the center spot. I don't think he'd get in over one of Giannis or LeBron or KD. Um,
1: no, no, that's what I'm saying. He'd get in over Jokic.
0: Yeah. Um, He's been listening as have, the center. Do you have any other honorable mentions that you would throw in there in the All-NBA first team, for your All-NBA first team? or
1: I mean, maybe Kyrie. But is he going to beat out? It depends. It depends on if Curry gets hurt or not, or it depends on if Kyrie gets hurt or not.
0: Yeah, I could see that. I mean, Kyrie's been having an awesome. He was one of the ones that I was considering heavily, uh, but then I I couldn't pass up Curry's numbers. Like they're miles ahead of Kyrie right now, and then you know Dame is in that conversation too with like where Kyrie's at he's kind of got similar numbers right now um I don't think he's going to be first team um unless he has a crazy season but I think Harden is probably a lock no matter what I think I think Giannis is a lock um I don't really have any other locks Uh, I think Curry, LeBron, Jokic could all dip out of that conversation.
1: So we basically, I guess to wrap this up, we both agree that it could be Jokic or AD, you're leaning Jokic or AD. We -hmm. think that Giannis and LeBron will keep their spots. We think Harden's going to keep his spot, but we think Luka's going to drop out of the first team all NBA.
0: (sighs) That's tough. You know what? I I didn't even think about Luka because of how bad of a season he's been having, but that's a really good point. Cause I, I think Luca's gonna have a really good season this year.
1: I could see him. I, I
0: could. I could see him definitely usurping Curry. Um, I, I I don't know if I could see him taking over Harden's spot still. So I still think Harden's a lock. But Luka's definitely in that conversation too. Um, if he gets his three point percentage up, I still believe in. I still believe in Luca having a really good season. Um, so. Definitely see it being Harden and Luca in those guard positions.
1: When does is, when is Christoph come back?
0: All right. I guess it's next week? I have no idea.
1: Action next week. He's lucky so. to get
0: third team, in my opinion.
1: No, no, no. I didn't I didn't mean that he'd be first team. I just meant, like, because he'd be, like, Luka needs him. Yeah. Every, everybody needs a second guy. So it, Luka's numbers will improve dramatically when um, Porzingis comes back, it looks like maybe next week.
0: Yeah, it's true. I mean, Lucas did fine without Porzingis, too, but obviously having him helps. Um, Yeah. Last season, he was out for a long time. But yeah, that pretty much wraps up this episode, I think. Um, You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at BackseatGMPod. You can also find us on Spotify. We're still trying to get on Apple Podcasts. I've been. Come on. I've, I've been in the DMs with uh, people at Blue Wire for the last couple of weeks. Hopefully, we can get this straightened out soon. Um, but until then, you can find us on Spotify, as always, the Backseat GM Podcast. Um, you can find hey. Jack and I on Twitter.
1: Before we go, today's a fucking fucked up day in American history. We can't, can I know, not talk about that for just a second. Just. I never thought I'd wake up and see that someone was shot in the Capitol. Like, that's just, it's like a, it's like a fucking movie, man. Or that the, they let all those people in the Capitol during, while they're fucking um, certifying votes for a president, and they just let people into the Capitol. It's just, it's its out of a movie, it's a horror movie. It's fucked up, as you know. I mean, I'm not saying anything groundbreaking. It's just crazy. Yeah, the, the fact that,
0: our national security could be breached that easily just by having a mega hat on is pretty uh eye opening. Um I think if any if any assassin wanted to get into uh Congress they could just throw on a throw on a red hat and uh pretend they were one with the group. It's pretty pretty disgusting what we saw today. I think uh yeah, I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that. Because really, really eye-opening, I think, to a lot of people whose eyes weren't already opened. Um, but yeah, on that yes. somber sure. on that somber note, we will see you next week, um, Zach, planning on not being another deadbeat podcast host. <laughs> uh,
1: hey, new year, new me.
0: New year, new you. Sober you for at least a month. Two months. Two months. Wow.
1: Yeah, end of February.
0: A better man than I. Um, Until next week, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) thank you for listening. Thank you, Zach.
1: Thank you, bro.